City Church Podcast, your home for the latest sermons and audio updates from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at 1211 First Avenue North on the third floor. So I have this friend, uh, more of an acquaintance, uh, and this acquaintance of mine, they, they have a, a habit of saying um, just strange and awkward uh, things at inopportune moments. And so we were, this acquaintance and I were going to a meeting at Johns Hopkins Hospital here in town. And this acquaintance of mine, as we're going to this meeting, walks through the hallways and looks around and says, Wow! It's really clean in here. And, I, and it, it took a lot in me to sort of not go, it's a hospital. What did you expect? Yeah, of course it's clean, right? There are tons of people at the hospital whose job is to clean the hospital so that it stays clean. And a hospital is one of those unique places where even though people make different amounts of money, even though everybody's job is sort of stratified and, you know, you might be low man on the totem pole if, totem pole if you do this job. It's still the kind of place where it's absolutely important that everybody does their job, isn't it? Because if the janitors don't take care of the mess, you're going to get some sort of infection and die. If, if the nurses don't take care of you in between the doctors seeing you, things go bad. If the administrators aren't there to make sure that the rooms are stocked with all of the things that they need to be stocked with, bad things happen. Everybody is absolutely integral to a hospital running smoothly and running together. Now, if you were to ask someone who works at the hospital, especially someone who didn't have the letters doctor in front of their name, how important they are to the hospital, they would probably shrug it off and say, well, you know, uh, you know I, I guess I, I do a job here. But the truth of the matter is, they're absolutely important. But we don't always see it that way, do we? If I was to tell you, who's more important, a janitor or a surgeon? You would probably begrudgingly say, yeah, it's the, it's the surgeon. It's the surgeon. Why? Because we value production and skill above all things. What's important to us and our people that we trust with our lives is how much they can produce, how well they can do, and how skilled are they at doing it, right? When we see, I don't know about you, like I went to a new eye doctor a few months ago. You know what I was doing while I was in there? I had my glasses off, so I was squinting at the wall going, I wonder what med school this guy went to. Right? I wonder... I wonder what uh, wonder what college he went to. Huh? How smart is this guy? When in reality, he's really he's asking me number one, number two. His job is to be able to count to two. Number one, number two. How about now? Number one, number two. And yet I'm like peeking at his degrees, going, I've never heard of that college. <laughs> We have absolutely, in our culture, sort of stratified ourselves by what kind of work we do. Do we have a a heavily skilled job? Do we have a, a job that we need a lot of education for? Do we have a job that makes a lot of money? And we have stratified ourselves in how much we can produce. 
And we sort of think that the people that produce more and do more skilled labor are more important than those who don't. And what's interesting is we carry these assumptions over with us into the way that we see church. Because the way that we look at church, we assume the people that can do the upfront stuff, the people that do the talking, the singing, those sort of things, those are the real important people in the church. And the people that like, you know, help out by taking the trash and changing the diapers, well, those aren't as important. What we're going to see this morning in Paul, as we've been walking through the book of 1 Corinthians, is that Paul says the church is to be absolutely different. The church's way of running should subvert our ideas of merit. It should change the ways that we think about productivity. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read it out loud. You're welcome to follow along in your Bible. It'll be also in the screens. And I want you to look at the way that Paul says we are to relate to one another. So please stand with me as I read God's Word. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves are free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not the eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? The whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If we were all a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. 
and on our unpresentable parts, our, our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part of it that lacked it. Composed the body, um, sorry, that there may be no divisions in the body, but that the many members may have the same care one for another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongue. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. City Church, this is the Word of God written nearly 2,000 years ago and intended for us this morning. You may be seated. Paul wants us to see that each one of us who is a Christian has been gifted by Jesus to serve His church and to serve the community around us. And he starts out from the very gate saying that all of us are on equal footing together. That there are no second class citizens in the kingdom of God. There are no haves and have nots. There are not the powerful and the weak. There is not the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. Well done. Thank you. I studied French for five minutes in high school. We're all on equal footing. He says at the very beginning, look, if you call Jesus Christ Lord, you are gifted by God. You have been given gifts by God. The trouble is, is that all of us tend to either overestimate our importance to the church or underestimate our importance to the church. Why? Because we can't see how greatly abundant the grace of Jesus is because we're too self-focused. We're too focused on looking at ourselves. Paul says, guys, stop looking at yourself. Look, Jesus is great. And if you are a Christian, God has given you unique gifts. But the church at Corinth was kind of concerned. And some of the people were saying, well, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't get the cool stuff. I didn't, I didn't get the good gifts. I didn't get the stuff that I wanted. And other people were saying, yes, I know God gives us gifts. And to the most important of us, He gives the most important jobs. Those with great power have great responsibility. And we sort of import Spider-Man sort of idea of great power, great responsibility into our Christian lives and say, oh, that person does that thing really well, they must be important. Or, my gifts are not that cool, I must not be important. What's interesting about both of those ideas, both of those things that kind of haunt our minds, is that both of them are selfish. They're both self-focused. They're both looking at ourselves and then comparing to those around us. 
So I want to walk through and show how Paul is combating that. The first thing he says is that we have all received gifts. And not only have all of us received gifts, but we've received them to bless others. Paul talks about the reason we have been given gifts, the reason why we have been given these amazing, grace-filled things is for the common good of the church. And I want to take just a minute to talk about what spiritual gifts are before we move on. You see, because it's easy for us in our culture that's sort of concerned with productivity, that's concerned with skill to think, oh, well, like, you know, if you're smart, you're gifted. Or I'm really strong, so I can move the heavy things for the church. And there's truth to that to some extent. But when Paul talks about these gifts, he's talking about unique abilities that we have to share grace with others. Whether sharing that grace is through leading worship, whether sharing that grace is through being really good at administration, keeping everybody on track, whatever it is that God has gifted you to be able to share His grace with others is a gift from Him. And it's a gift that is made for the common good. One of the things he says is that if one of the parts of the church suffers, we should all suffer together. And if one of the part is honored, we should all rejoice together. Whenever we are looking for the common good of others, whenever we are suffering with others, whenever we are rejoicing with others, what it's doing is it's lifting our chins up off of our navels It's lifting our attention off of our self-focus to focus on others. You see, that's one of the the beautiful things in in the marriage vows. One of my favorite parts of it, and I've I've said this before on a number of occasions, that, that marriage halves our suffering and doubles our joy. Why? Why why is that part of the marriage vows? Because you have somebody, when you are struggling, to sympathize and go, yes, I understand, that is awful. And you have somebody, when you are happy, who will celebrate with you. The church should be a community where that is true of all of us as well. Where we're not so self-focused that we're worried about, oh, that person got a promotion, oh, that person was able to find a spouse, that person was able to have kids. I'm so happy for you. And yet how many times does our self-focus prevent us from serving others with our gifts for the common good? How often does it prevent us from rejoicing with them when something good happens? Because we wish it was us that the good thing had happened to. How many of us get upset when somebody gets something that we think we deserve? You see, Paul says, no, the gifts that God gives us, these great gifts, are given to you for you to bless others with. And when you underestimate what God has given you and think what I do is not that important, what you end up doing is withholding your gifts from others. Well, it's, it's just not a big deal. It's so I, can, so I can be kind to others and share with them. That's, that's not that big of a deal. And so I'm just going to 
I'm just going to hold that. My gift is not important, so I'm going to keep it from everybody. And we underestimate what God is doing, and we just sort of hide away the ways that He can uniquely show His grace to us. But for some of you, that problem of thinking that your gifts aren't that great, not really your thing. For some of you, you think, yeah, I know what God has gifted me to do, and I'm pretty good at it. I'm not saying I'm one of the best, but I'm certainly the best in a little church like City Church. (laughs) And what happens is pride begins to well up inside of us. And we end up withholding our gifts because we don't think that other people are valuable enough. When you have a really high view of your gifts and abilities, of what God has granted and blessed you with, it's easy for you to hold that back and go, well, this person needs to help themselves before I'm going to help them. After all, God helps those who help themselves. Which is never said in the Bible, incidentally. No, we tend to, in our pride, withhold our gifts from others as well. And so Paul says, here's what I'm going to do. Let me break it down and let me give you an example. Let me give you an object lesson. Let me teach you using the human body. And Paul goes on that long sort of piece in the middle of this text that I read. And it gets kind of repetitive at times, yes, but Paul is proving a point. He says, look, we are all, as the body of Christ, like a physical body. Some of you are eyeballs. Some of you are ears. Some of you are toenails. And some of you are arms. All of you are absolutely necessary. You see, even when I made that list, there was one of those things that stuck out, right? Toenails. Gross. I don't like that. And immediately we go, that's not good. And Paul says, that's my point. You're missing the point. The point is, there's no part of us that is not necessary. Some of uh, the people in our church tend to like to do very active CrossFit things. What's interesting is when one part of your body is hurting, it affects the rest of your body. If you sprain your ankle, it is not just your ankle that hurts, is it? All of us know this. Your whole body hurts. Your, your other knee gets all wonky because it's overcompensating for the ankle. Your back is twisted up because you're not walking as straight as you should be. You get headaches from having to think about all of this all the time. And Paul says, no, look, there are absolutely every sort of person in the church of Jesus Christ given every gift that the church needs. And yet what our heart says is, yeah, but I didn't get the gifts I wanted. I didn't get to be an eyeball. I didn't get to be a mouth. I really wanted to be, I really wanted to be the one who talks. And God says, no, you can't, you can't be jealous of others because every one of us plays a role. The church cannot exist 
if there is not diversity in gifts. It's, it's interesting. Uh, I listened to a, a radio show, a podcast, and it's called Startup. And it's about companies that are started up and started from scratch. And a lot of the focus is on tech companies. And what's interesting is they did an entire season about companies that failed in Silicon Valley. And you know the number one failure factor for a company in Silicon Valley to fail is? Lack of diverse skill sets on the team. So these programmers, these computer guys, these developers have this great idea for an app or for a website or for a service. And they start making it and they start building out their company. And then all of a sudden, they burn through all of their money. This happened in the 90s with Pets.com. Pets.com was run by some wonderful nerds, none of which understood finances. And they burned through $80 million dollars advertising money in less than three months and their company went bankrupt and pets.com doesn't exist anymore why why does pets.com not exist anymore because there was no diversity of gifts you had killer programmers you had incredible geeks Yet incredible people who knew a lot about one thing. But because there was no diversity of gifts, it failed. And the same is true in the Church of Jesus Christ. The same is true here at City Church. We absolutely need all sorts of different gifts of grace to share with one another. But when we look at our own gifts and we become, we think that they're not that valuable, it stokes the fire of envy in our hearts. I wish I was like that person. That person gets to do the cool things. Everybody, everybody knows that person because of the gifts that they get to share at the church. And nobody knows me. And Paul says, don't be envious. Enjoy and share with others freely what God has done in you. And and to those of us who tend to overvalue our gift, God says, watch out because that is the first way that pride will come in. The church can exist without you. The church can exist without me. None of us is so important to God's purpose that God couldn't do His work without us. I don't like that that much. I like to quietly think that I'm pretty important to God, that, I, that, that God couldn't be doing this without me. But the truth of the matter is, God could find another, better version of Justin and throw him up here, and it would be just fine. God reminds us that we are all necessary. And not only that, we have to have different gifts and we have to be united in the way that we share them. He goes in that middle of the analogy and he talks about the the ear cannot say to the other parts of the body, I don't need you. Why? Because then we would be a giant ear and we would no longer be a human. 
that I can't say, ah, I have no need of feet. We do. You see, all of us need to remember that the things that we are given are ways in which we can think of others. But what we think about is this. We think about ourselves and say, what I'm doing is very important. And what you're doing, well, you're just helping me do the important things. Thanks for your help, helper. Or we begin to think that about ourselves. What I do isn't important. And what's interesting, whether we think what we do is the most important or whether we think that what we do is not important, do you know what both of those things are exposing in my heart and yours? That who we're actually thinking about is ourself. That really what's driving things is my own self-focus. So how do we break out of this cycle? How do we break out of the cycle of either being far too proud of what we can do or, or far too envious of what others get to do? The antidote to this is a God who selflessly dies to save us and give us gifts. You see, the beauty of what Jesus does for us on the cross is not just that he saves us. It's not just that he makes us the children of God. It's not like Jesus dies and sets us back to moral zero and says, good luck. Go be good and and keep this good status I got for you. No, the overabundant grace of Jesus is this. Not only does Jesus die for us, not only does he take care of our sin, but then he blesses us with gifts to go and selflessly love others. He loves us so much that he not only dies for us, but also gives us these gifts to love and serve one another without pride or envy. And so this morning, where do you find yourself? Some of you are here this morning and you may not be a believer. And as you listen to this, what does this all mean? Well, I think one of the things to take away if you're not a believer this morning is that Christianity is different because of this grace that I've just talked about. Every other religion in one way or another says that you have to earn your religious status. But God says no. No, you don't have to earn it. You don't have to keep all the right moral laws. And you don't have to to work hard to achieve some sort of um, mind frame. No, rather, you receive the gift that is the goodness of Jesus, the forgiveness of our sins. And not only that, you receive gifts to go and serve others. And that is absolutely different than what any other religion has to say. But if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, what your call is, is to step out of the self-focus. To repent of the ways that you are more concerned with yourself and what you can or can't do and begin to turn and see Jesus, the good gift giver. 
begin to trust in Him that He has given you exactly what you need, exactly what you are equipped to do, and exactly what City Church needs. There is repentance for a self-focus, but then faith that what God is doing is good. And so by faith we then begin to live out the same example of Jesus. We get to selflessly serve others in the way that He selflessly died for us. And so City Church, as we think about these gifts, as we think about the ways that God is equipping us to love and serve one another, to love and serve the community of downtown St. Petersburg, ultimately it is a call to repent of our self-focus to trust in what He is doing and then begin to live selflessly to one another. To rejoice when others rejoice. To suffer when others suffer. Let's pray.